Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. everyone welcome to revolution minneapolis it's brian coming at you if you hear people walking to and fro it's actually a beautiful gorgeous day out here in minnesota which some people would say we don't have that many or they're few and far between so it's a pretty happening place and i will say you know this is a lot different than when we recorded from our own home or when other people are recording from studios or whatever but hey we're here out and about with everyone so it's pretty cool so people can hear what i have to say um and it's just nice to see you know brian like bola we talked um we've talked that they're letting us use this space it was kind of nice because they were like hey if there's going to be people walking in and out uh we won't charge you so that's a good trade-off i think so yeah pretty awesome i as i said like a week or two ago i was on the revolution feed for jay and caleb and they interviewed me or caleb interviewed me about stuff here going on at revolution minneapolis so that's up that came out last wednesday um we had a really cool um intimate conversation so if you want to listen to that help them out help us out um it's pretty cool it was a fun conversation and I will also say to Caleb, I'm sorry for editing um, all the stuff that you're going to hear. So, yes, as you can hear everything in the background, which is fine. Hopefully it won't uh, get me too distracted. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm really tired because I helped my friend move yesterday. Um, so I moved couches and dressers and furniture so, if I get through this a little bit quicker, it's not because I don't care about you guys. It's because I'm brutally tired. And my I, I think I pulled muscles that I didn't think I had. So, there's that. Um, so, yeah. And I have to say, my wife and I are going on, our f- on a date to a movie theater for the first time in, like, what, over a year? I think the last movie I saw in a theater was... March of 2020, and I think you and I saw a movie in, like, February of that year of 2020. So, it's been a hot minute. Anyway, yeah. A lot of people want to come to our service, I feel, but then they mistake us for a bathroom. Which, that's fine. I'm just up here talking. Um, No harm, no foul, I guess. Even though I have, we have stickers and other things promoting who we are. Food's more important than hearing about Jesus, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, enough of that shenanigans. As always, um, happy Sunday. Um, Amanda put that up on our, our feed here. Feel free to leave any comments or questions. Um, as always, we'll, I always check um, the feed throughout the week just to see if more comments or questions have come in. So, Yeah. Um, I'm going to do a little bit different of a talk, but while I was trying to 
think of a talk to come up with for this week after what I'm going to say um, of what I watched. I I was like, I have to, I have to talk about this on Sunday because it's not just me that this person has influenced, but I know many, many other people were influenced by this individual. So Tuesday, uh, I had a master class. That's what it was called. I'm not making that up. A master class with the one and only, the infamous Rob Bell. And this class, and Amanda can um, find the link if we need to, it was through this organization called Church Anew. Um, and the main church, is, it's, like, it's like a Lutheran consortium of like ELCA churches. And the main one is down in Eden Prairie, which is a suburb here in the Twin Cities. And then there was like four or five or six other churches that um, kind of put their pool, pooled their resources together. Um, and also Amanda's putting some like Rob Bell's website and stuff up there. So I don't, unless you've been living under a rock for like the last 20 years, you probably know who Rob Bell is. But for those who don't, um, you can go to his website. Um, and he has, he offers classes. He has tons of books out. Um, he used to be a pastor. Um, and now he's just, I don't know. He's an entrepreneur of many, many things. So, uh, so this church, a new organization, they were, I, I actually ended up paying for this class cause it was supposed to be in person, uh, last year in May of last year. And it was supposed to be like a two day seminar. And it was, uh, Rob Bell and Pete Rollins that was supposed to be there. Unfortunately, uh, Pete had a, a lot of other things to do. So it was just Rob Bell and it was through zoom. So it kind of made it more intimate in a way that, um, that it probably wouldn't have been if we were in a large crowd. Uh, so he talked about creativity and newness. And I labeled this talk today newness. And you might kind of be like, oh, this is going to be, you know, hippy dippy or whatever. And I don't think it really is. I think it's honestly uh, this conversation that I'm going to, talk about today is just things that he said that were just i don't know if you ever feel like there's someone out there whether an author uh an actor or a famous person that's just like hey they're they're saying they're saying everything that's like in my head and and i really gravitate towards that well for me that's rob bell um and a little kind of background how I fell fell into you know the Rob Bell sphere is uh, I used to attend a church back in the day called uh, Wilden Hills Church, which is a Baptist church. But the pastor there is Greg Boyd. He's a pretty famous pastor slash author. Wrote a lot of books, um, and he brought Rob Bell in for like a, a weekend of teaching and preaching. And I was probably like. 18 to 20 somewhere in there and for some reason that like rob just in a way captivated me and just how he preached how he talked he made it just seem effortless and he made it just he just i I would say uh he was a wordsmith like he was just having these words 
like he was a and it was it was less of a sermon and more of just a conversation that he was having with all of us in this congregation and he was really famous for this set of videos called numa which are still out there where it would be like 15 20 minute conversations talks and then there would be you're supposed to like break out into groups and kind of do all this stuff so that's how that's how he got really into like you like the youth sphere and like doing youth work and he was a pastor he founded a church in grand rapids michigan where he was from and the church just blew up it was a mega church you know thousands of people would go to his church um so he had a huge following well and he probably has i mean some of his books that are pretty popular his first book was called velvet elvis he has a book called sex god which i mean amanda can either find these or it's not a big deal like they're all over just find these if you want to google them or amazon um sex god which is about like sexual ethics and sex in the bible um he has a book called jesus jesus saves uh, jesus needs to save christians but the book that really got him in hot water and kind of how he walked away from the church was this book called love wins and that came out about 10 years ago now and he was still a pastor at that time and if you read the his that book and other other books afterwards it was that book love wins which which really kind of if I'm honest with myself, that was a book that kind of led me towards a deconstruction because I've always had this weird understanding of like afterlife and hell and it just didn't make sense to me. And so his book was more or less a, a, a pastor's kind of understanding on on hell and kind of the historical background of hell why hell was popularized and all this stuff and so he more or less was saying um in that book is is there really a hell is hell other people's is hell a real place that we go and so it ruffled a lot of feathers there's a pastor here uh, john piper who was pretty much saying you know okay rob you're out of this christian group now you're too fringe well anyway not too long after that Rob moved him and his family moved to LA cuz he had family out there and he's it does help that he uh is friends with Oprah that Oprah and he's been on a speaking tours and now I th- uh I was reading kind of doing some research that Time magazine which is Time is a you know worldwide magazine he's in for the last number of years running he's in the Time 100 most influential people in the world so this guy went from being a pastor of a mega church to an author to now being one of the most um, influential people, not just in America, but the world. So that's a little background on Rob, but this and, and the theme of the conversation that we had, and obviously it was something that um he was asked to speak on because this church anew it's mostly for um it's mostly for pastors lay people uh when you signed up it's kind of like who are you are you a congregant uh, a lay person a pastor and with that they kind of allowed you to like sign up in these different tiers we're also pastor um so i signed up for it and so it was this conversation on 
not just creativity, but newness. And so he took this, and this talk is going to be on some of the bullet points that he talked about that he brought up. And like I said, uh, it's not going to be super, super, like I'm going to go through scripture like I usually do, but I think this was just, it, it was beneficial to my soul. It was beneficial to my mind. And so when I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, I, I want other people to listen to it, not people who are just here in the congregation, but people who, um, people who can be influenced by his thinking. And there's a couple private Facebook groups that I'm a part of where I posted a picture of, like, I did a screenshot of, of the video that I was watching. Um, and it was funny because people were like, oh, man, you're so lucky you got to listen to Rob and this person's influenced me. So I know it's not just me that was influenced and who has been influenced by him, but a, a, a throng of other people. So what I'm just going to do is just, I mean, it was almost a two-hour conversation, and I want to try to dumb it down and talk about it in a half hour, 40 minutes. So buckle up. So the first thing he said was the world we live in is a world of new there's new things we are finding in the world that's never been found before and you might think okay yeah like duh like we find new things in life and in society all the time why is this why are you talking about it he he said a story that was so i and i had never heard about it before but something that was so extravagant was he said it was back in the eighties and I get, it was professor Irwin, not like the crocodile hunter Irwin, but it was this, uh, what do you call an insect person? Uh, scientist, uh, I, an entomologist, maybe we'll go with that. An entomologist, somebody in the comments who knows more, if you want to say that. So it was this professor of, I would say insects. And so what he did, he took, he took some of his students down. He was an American, I believe. And he went down to um, Panama, down into the rainforest there. And what he did was there's this thing called fogging. And what they do is they'll, they went to this stretch of rainforest and they said it was probably maybe 30 to 50 trees that they, that they found. And what fogging is, and uh, is they pretty much, it's just like this gas or this toxin that they spray into the tree and it kills all the animals and insects and stuff that are in there. And they have this tarp down on the bottom that catches anything that's, that you know, dead. I don't think it kills like the tree itself, but it just kills anything living in there. And their goal was when that fell down, all these animals and insects, as they were studying it and, and seeing like what different species of animals just live in this tree, kind of in this like habitat, this eco habitat. And what they found was, and they did this for only a couple of weeks. And there's just this little section of the rainforest, like 30 or 40 trees. And what they found in their research was that there was over 1200 different species of beetles that were living in these trees. And out of those 1,200 species, 153 of those species of beetles had never been found before, ever. In the history of science, in, in, in the history of the universe, the history of the planet, 
No one had found 153 of these species. Him and his his um, students ended up finding 153 new species of beetles. And Rob's point with that, and he's like, that happened in the early 80s, and that, and still in that realm of studying insects and entomologists, is this guy's work is still revolutionary, and was like, this guy just did this, um, because he was didn't know that he was going to find that, which is just passionate about bugs, passionate about the eco life, and so Rob was saying, if he had didn't have that pull, if he didn't have that stirring to do that. There was 153, 153 different species that we may have not found. And so he was using that as kind of like a kicking off point, a starting point of saying, if you have this stirring inside of you, whatever that stirring is, whether you're a pastor or, or an accountant or a business person, you, if you don't have this stirring, if you have the stirring racing inside of you, you you need to do something with that. That this stirring isn't a bad thing. So that beginning of that conversation that Rob was saying was kind of like a kickoff to all of us listening of saying, if you have this stirring inside of your soul, if you have this stirring in your mind and in your conscience, do it. Because this this professor ended up doing it and i'm sure i'm sure he got pushed back from people you're not going to find anything down there you're not going to you know find different species and he found a hundred over 150 different new species because he had this stirring he had this inkling in him inside of him that was like what if or just maybe something new might happen um another point he brought up when new groups come against quote new things they want to try you are not the problem they are they are out of alignment and i've said to a lot of people before you've heard me i've done ordination process in two denominations i've done it in the ucc and i've done it in the assemblies of god and i'm not going to be up here i have my issues with both of them and i'm not going to sit up here and badmouth either of them because what's the point of that but when he said that, it was just like this gut punch in a good way, kind of in my soul, because it was, it was saying to me that organizations, institutions, you know, i.e. put in whatever you want, church, uh, different ministries, uh, if you're a business person and, and, you know, you have fresh ideas and you never say things, because you think your boss is going to put the axe on it or you're going to get laughed out of the room. Rob was just saying, when you have these stirrings, and he said that so much through through this conversation, this master class I had with him, was the, these stirrings. And people are going to come against you, and they might be like Brian, Amanda, Curtis. Like, you have these... You have these ideas. You have these inklings. You have these stirrings. But we haven't done that before. That's not what we do. That's not the the uh, way we do things here. And I can't tell you how many times in the church, throughout, like when I was a young kid in youth group, or when I was a young adult, or even currently now, um, 
where I've had people say straight up to me, oh, you have these passions, you have these ideas, and they might be good, they might be powerful, they might, they could be transformative to people, but we've never done that before. We're nervous, we're scared, we don't know, uh, we haven't kind of looked beyond that horizon of what we can do, and so they bring up their own fear, they bring up their own anxiety of why they don't want to do it. And what Rob was saying was that you're not the problem. You're not the one out of alignment. They are. And he wasn't, you know, saying like, how dare they? They're bad. He was just saying they're the ones that are afraid to look beyond the horizon. They're the ones that are, 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 are scared to look behind the curtain to see what we could do. Um, for whatever reason. And I found, I found that really, and I, and like I said, he's such a wordsmith. Yes, Ray, Rob Bell. We're talking about Rob Bell. If you came in a little late watching online, um, I had a master class with Rob, um, for pastors th- this past week. And I'm just kind of talking in this talk today about that because I think it's not just influential for me and the people watching, but for, um, any, anyone because it's, it's, this can happen, and this isn't even for religious people. This is just for people in general. Uh, this talk um, at how how this this his teaching was so transformative. Anyway, so what I but what I was going to say though too is being out of alignment is is could you think of a car and when you hear like an, an alignment like oh if your alignment is is crap with your car and how you can tell with a car when you're driving if your car's out of alignment is usually if your car's in alignment, you can let go of your wheel and you can still stay pretty straight like on the road. But if your wheel, if your car's out of alignment, when you let go of the wheel, your car starts going really one way, to, you know, to the left or to the right, which in our car, our car's out of alignment because I've done that on the freeway before just for a little bit is you let go and our car starts going over to the right. Whatever reason, potholes, older car, whatever. And so when he was saying that, I knew that was the metaphor he was saying is like when you're out of alignment, people are looking at you and they're like, oh, this person's going left or right or, you know, whatever. But it, with this, if you want to do things new, you're not the one that's out of alignment. The people who are out of the alignment are the ones who are in leadership, are the ones who are like, oh, well, we've never done this before. We're scared. We're nervous. I don't know what we're going to do. So then they, with their scaredness, with their anxiety, with the, their fear of the unknown, they put, they put the kibosh on it. They say, well, we're not going to do it because we're just nervous. We're scared. And I can't tell you how many times in the quote unquote brick and mortar part of the church that that has been said to me. Like, oh, we want to do this, Brian. That's a great idea that you have. And this just could impact our church in great ways. But. I don't know what the rest of the congregation is going to say. I don't know what the denomination is going to say. This isn't just how we've done things. This isn't like our policies are a procedure. So instead of doing something new, they just regurgitate the same old, same old, because they don't want to stir the boat. And I find that sad. I find that disheartening. But I also sit back and I'm like, that's just how churches do things. Is They just do the same thing over and over. So, and the next point he said, too, is you can have gratitude, 
but you can also have restlessness. You can have gratitude, but still want to try new things, be creative. And what he meant by that is how many of us, this, to me, I, I was like, and there's so many times when he was talking, I was like, yes, yeah, like audibly, I was like, yes, or, oh man, that's so true. Um, but what he meant by that is how many people, especially Americans, and this is kind of a cultural condition that we have, is how many of us have been raised or born where we're like, you hear, I, and I, I've heard this a lot growing up, when you hear people are like, well, you got a really good job. You got a roof over your head. Uh, you got a good paying job. You can pay your mortgage. You can pay your rent. You can have your car payment. You have food on the table. You know, billions of people in the world live on $2 or less a day. So you got to count your blessings that you have what you have. And who cares if you have these passions or these dreams or things that you want to try? Like, because don't you think other people want to do that? But yet you have what everyone wants. You have, you have sustainability. You have a house. You, you know, these things, these things that every human being wants is, or needs is, uh, what is it? It's housing. It's food. It's shelter. Um, clothing. Things that human being, all human beings need. And so often in, especially in America where we're a land of opulence. And I'm not saying like, oh yeah, I don't live in a mansion or anything, but I have an apartment. I have food on my table every day. I have a reliable transportation. I, uh, always can put food and provide for my family. And so he's like, you hear, especially in America, this was Rob saying that you have this great, you can be grat, you can have this gratitude and you can have this desire to be like, yes, I'm, I'm happy with what I have. But so how many of us in our lives have that restlessness though? How many of us are like, yeah, I have all these things, but I want more, not more like I want a better house or I want this, but like there's something else out there. There's something else that I want to achieve. There's something new that I want to try or, and, 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 and when I'm, when I label this newness, this does not necessarily have to be anything to do with Christianity or church. It could be like, I want to be an author. I've all, like, Amanda, I'm going to use you for an example. Amanda's like, I've always wanted to author a children's book. And you said that you've had that for years. But so how often does our, our mind say, well, Amanda, but you're a mom. You, you work part time. You're, you, you're this. You're, you're, you're a wife. You're a mother. You're all these things. And you're grateful and you have gratitude for doing that. And Rob's like, there's nothing wrong in that. However, the problem we have is we think that when our brain and our mind and our soul starts saying, Hey, I want to do this. I want to try this. I want to try this. We're always like, Hmm. Because it's like this battle in your brain, like in your conscience, that's like, but I have this, 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 and this. And so I'm happy and I'm confident. But there's this huge sense of loneliness that we get inside of us because we're culturally conditioned to say, but I, I have to be happy with what I have. I can't, I can't quit my job. I can't do this. And, and, and Rob wasn't saying, yeah, go quit your job, do all that. He's like, if you need to do that and go do a different career, move to a different city or state, do something new. Yeah, that's fine. That's great too. However, we, we allow our, 
our gratitude to get in the way of being creative and trying things new and, and going into the unknown and pulling back that curtain to say, what else can I do? What else can I do to be creative? One thing he said, too, two things I'll bring up that he said, which is fascinating. The, and, and I'm going to say, like, stirring. And a stirring, it might be different, and it might manifest itself in different ways to other people. I know for me, a stirring that I have is I want to speak in front of a lot of people. I want to go on tour. I, I, I want to speak in in comedy clubs or nightclubs or in churches. I've always wanted to do that. It's a stirring that's been in my heart probably since I was a teenager. And here I am almost 40 years old. And I'm doing that in a way here at Revolution. I'm, I'm in a public place. Um, I've spoke at churches here locally. I've also spoke at a few churches over in Switzerland where my buddy's a pastor. So I'm doing that a little bit, but there's this stirring inside of my soul. There's a stirring inside of my brain that's like, Brian, I want to do this. I want to do it. And there's nothing inherently wrong in that. There's not. I'm grateful and I have gratitude for the things that I have in my life, but there is also a profound loneliness when you you yourself tell your inner self to be like, hey, shut up. Uh, don't worry, you know, don't, don't do this, don't do this. So one thing Rob said was, he's like, for 30 years, and Rob's, I would, I don't know how old he is, probably around 50. But he's like, since I was 20 years old, and he, and people don't, I don't, people might not know this about Rob, but he's, his, one of his first loves is music. He loves music. He's a musician. He has guitars and, and, um, ba- like a bass. It, just a ton of different um, stuff, and he kind of was showing us his like room where his music stuff was. But he's like, for the last thirty years, he's like, I've had this kind of music just stuck in my head. And everyone knows Rob's a wordsmith, so coming up with lyrics or something would not be that difficult for him. But he's like, I've had this music stuck in my head that that was kind of like punk rock and kind of like like ethereal kind of music uh so kind of like punk and then mellow but for but women singers like having female singers because you don't see you know a lot of punk music you it's usually just men singing it's like most of your big punk bands all throughout the world whether british punk bands or, or american is predominantly men fronted uh bands and there's obviously women fronted bands but not as much and so he's like i had this desire in my head and it just kept coming up kept coming up and i kept telling myself like rob be quiet be quiet you know whatever so what did he do do what did he do over the pandemic and the shutdown he started jamming out started recording stuff he found friends that were musicians and guess what guys he made a record he's made two records and i forgot what the what his band is called but he was like, I let this stirring inside of me come out 30 years after it was in my head. But he's like, but my point is, is he's like, some of these stirrings, you might need to get them out right away. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need, I need to get it out of me right now. But there's other times that you want, it might be stuck inside of you for 10, 15, 20 years. But eventually that creativity, eventually that stirring is going to come out of you. Because it just can't lay dormant, you know. It just, it, it, it just, it can't just stay inside of you. You have to let it go. You have to let it out of the bag, so to say. And another, another thing he said 
was he's always loved comedy. And if you if you see Rob Bell, he has his his podcast called The Robcast, but he lives out in LA now. So he rubs shoulders with quite a few famous people. There's a ton of comedians that have had him on their podcast and all this stuff. So he lives he lives not too far from a predominant predominantly large comedy club in LA and LA's comedy scene is huge. And he knows the owner because he's rented the club out a couple of times to do some of his talks and, and things like that. Well, he went and talked to the owner and he said, okay, next time you guys have a, a open mic comedy night, I want to be on there. And he's like, I just want to do a 10 minute set. That's all. I have some thoughts in my head, some jokes that I want to give out. And the guy was like, cool. He's like, don't promote it. Don't put my name on the marquee. I just want to come out there like any Joe Schmo, right? And so the day of, he's like, the day of this comedy show comes up and he's like, guys, can I tell you this? I have never been more nervous in my entire life to speak and do comedy in this small, this small area. And he's like, I've written books. He's like, I've talked to thousands, if not millions of people in my life. But he's like, this is something that was new. It was fresh. It was, it was a creative outlet that I have always wanted to do, but never did it because I was nervous. And so he's like, the time that I was supposed to go up, you know, he's like, I'm in the green room getting ready, going over my jokes. <laughs> and he said, the owner of the club comes out and he was like, hey, uh, so we're going to bump you to be the last person because uh, an SNL cast member, somebody who's on there right now, he didn't say who, just came into the club and said, hey, I want to do some comedy. I'm here in town. I want to hone my chops. And so the guy was like, okay, you can go up now. So this guy who was on Saturday Night Live, a guy who does comedy, does jokes for a living, took Rob's spot. And then Rob was the last person. He was supposed to be the, that hook, that like whatever. And so he was like, how did that make me feel? He's like, I had even more nervousness and more anxiety because he was like, I got booted in a good way to be the last person because this SNL guy came in and was like, hey, I want to do my, my stand-up. And he's like, it went well. He's like, did I get as many laughs as I wanted? Probably not. But he was like, but I tried it. I tried the new thing. Because he's like in that, because he's like, it's been in my head. And he's like, so often we as human beings don't try new things because we're afraid that we might fail. And guess what? You might fail. And he even says it. He's like, you might fail. And there's things that you might want to do that shouldn't be done. And then one other thing he said was, he's always, he, He's like, my wife, and I will say this to, about my wife too, like 99% of the ideas I have that I want to come up with, oh, I want to talk about this or I want to write this, usually your spouse or if you're not married, a good friend, a good mentor of you, they will give you their honest opinion. Hey, should I do this? Should I not do this? So he said one thing he wanted to do over the pandemic was come up with a magazine. And he's like, I could write stuff. I have a ton of friends um, and people who could write. I have photographers who could take photography. I could do like cover bands because he knows a lot of bands. And he's like, but the thing, the kicker of it is he's like, I wanted it to be just one, one, uh, one, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, one issue. That's it. 
just have this like make this massive magazine and sell it all over the place and just be one issue. And he's like, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a fascinating idea. And my wife comes up to me and was like, no, that's really just, just really stupid. That's dumb. And he was like gutted. But the more he thought about it, he was like, yeah, that is, that is kind of dumb. But he was like, but see, the point is, he's like, I had this passion. I had this desire in my head and it made sense. But then he was like, I looked at my wife and my wife was like, honey, like, I usually agree with everything you're wanting to do, but this just seems a little dumb. And so he's like, when you want to do something creative, go to your spouse, go to a partner, go, go to a close friend or confidant and say, Hey, I need to do this. I want to try it. And they're going to give you their honest opinion. And they might say, Hey, run with it. Or they might say, Hey, you know, work on this a little bit, hone it together, make it, make it seem like if you're going to do this, that is really well done. And then they might actually come up to you and say, Hey, you know what? I can get your passion. I can get this stirring, but I think right now that's just not going to work. That doesn't mean it might not work right now, but it could work five years down the road. It could work 10 years down the road. So you never know. So just with these couple, what things that I was saying about Rob makes it where you're like, Oh, and all of us listening, I can see some of our head nods here at Bryant Lake Bowl and people who are listening, you could kind of be like, Hey, yeah, like there are these stirrings that I have that haven't went away for five or 10 years. And only, you know what those are. And I'm just saying what Rob was saying and what I took to heart was that, Hey, you know what? Like those stirrings aren't going to go away and they're inside of you for a reason. And only you know why that they're inside of you. Another thing he said too, newness is normal, not abhorrent. It's fresh. It's a stirring chase after it. So if you get this stirring inside of you, whatever it is, it might be new to you. It might be scary to you but it's not wrong. Obviously, if it's something like doing something illegal, yeah, that's probably not something you should chase after. But whatever it is, if you're like, I want to um, chase after a job promotion and I, and I don't think I'm going to get it. So we always tell ourselves, no, nah, I'm not going to get it. And like my job that I have now, when I applied for it, I knew I had the credentials. I knew I had the background for it. And I'm like, I was telling my wife, I'm like, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. Like, who am I to get it? Blah, blah, blah. Guess what? I got it. And I was the number one person. I was the number one candidate out of 10 people. And if I was just like, oh, gosh, like, I'm confident where I'm at. Uh, is it wrong that I want to leave this place that I've been for seven years? It's not wrong. It's not abhorrent. I, I went after it, not knowing if I was going to get it, but I did it because I wanted to. It was something new. It was something fresh. So it's not abhorrent. It's not wrong. It is what it is. Um, this is where I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but one thing like he said, um, well, he went in and talked about like the universe, how the universe, how scientists have said like, and even conservative scientists and scholars will say like the earth is not just the earth, but the universe is like 13 plus billion years old. And he's like, how, how things in our universe, how old it is, is, but there's still new things happening in our, in our universe. There, there's the things still unfolding and there's still things that we as human beings kind of like this, this, uh, talk about beetles at the beginning that I talked about. How, I mean, uh, in the scope of all humanity, there's these hundred and some different species of beetles that were found. 
but yet the world's been there for billions of years and people have been here for however many millions of those years is that we're still finding new things about our ourselves. One thing he said, I didn't put in my notes that I found it really fascinating is he, he said, and I'll just pick on you, Curtis, since you're here, like I did last week is if I see he's, if I saw you seven years ago, Curtis, you're not the same person as you were seven years ago. Why? He's like, your exoskeleton, your outer part of who you are as a person has never changed. However, every day you have 300 million uh, cells that kill, that kill themselves, that literally just off themselves in your body. However, those same 300 million cells that get killed off by your own body reproduce into other cells, into new cells. So, He's like, your own body is not the same body that you were in seven years ago. Your, your skin and flesh and who you are as a person, yes, that's the same as it always has been. But his point was saying, even in the, in the mystery of the universe, the mystery of the unknown, your body itself is something new, is forever creating itself new. And he's like, isn't that fascinating? So, because, and you hear too, and this is, I've learned this when I was a kid in elementary school, your taste buds. So that the stuff on your tongue, when you stick your tongue out and you see those little taste buds, those taste buds will die off in your tongue and create new taste buds. And so they say, you might like a particular food, like growing up, I hated broccoli. I hated Brussels sprouts. What kid likes those? But I hated it. There's the taste. It was bitter and it was tasted like dirt. You could put butter and cheese and all this stuff on it and it just tasted horrendous. But as I got older and my taste buds have changed, I love those now. I love like buttery Brussels sprouts. I love buttery and cheesy broccoli. So are you, what I say, am I the same person as I was seven, eight, ten years ago? Yes. However, I am different because my own body it's changing. It's other old things are dying off, and my body is re reformulating itself. It's it's doing my molecules and atoms are still the same in my body, but I'm also new because so many things are changing in my body. And he was like, "Let that sink in as this divine mystery of that's happening inside of us, not just us, but out in nature, out in the world." So he's like, "The whole universe." It's not going backwards to something old. It's going into the future. It's going into the new. And it's not afraid of it. Why should we be? Um, your spirit knows your desire for your newness. It's a profound unknowing why you have these stirrings in you, but your soul knows it. Make peace with it. And he kept he kept saying... And this wasn't, and he was predominantly speaking to religious people, to pastors, to lay leaders, to all these people. But he, what's great about Rob is he, he never makes it as, uh, just for religious people. It transcends to people who, no matter who you are. And the one thing that I found fascinating is what he said was, um, he said that whatever your stirring is, uh, make peace with it, whatever it is. If you, if you want to quit your job, and he kept saying this, he's like, if you want to quit your job, 
and move to another city and another town, start life over, and that's something that's been in your body for years, do it. You know, if you you want to go for a promotion at a job, you might not get it, but there's that stirring in you. Go and do it. If you want to write a book, but you think, oh God, how am I gonna how am I gonna do this? Do it. Um I'm not gonna say who because they probably know who they are. I have a family member who said they've always wanted to go on a missions trip. They've always wanted and not just to travel the world to see something new, but they've always wanted to go do it. But they've never done it, maybe because of work, maybe uh, they have kids, maybe they just were like, I don't have the money for it. But what I, what I want to look at that person, and I will see them soon, is to say, do it. Go to your, ch- your church that you're at, or sign up with a missionary organization and do it. Because if you don't, you're going to always you're going to be on your deathbed and you're going to be like god I wish I did this. I wish I listened to myself. I wish I listened to my soul. I wish I listened to my body. I wish I listened to my heart at why I needed to do this. And I have my own issues with missions trips, but that's just me, but his whole point was saying if you have this stirring inside of you, You need to make peace with it. You need to say, hey, you know what? I might not do it today. I might not do it next year. I might not do it two years from now. But you know what? I'm going to do it. Make peace with that. Make peace with that part of yourself that's like, you know what? By golly, I am going to do it. I don't know when I'm going to do it. But I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving this, this space in my heart. I'm giving this, this space in my mind to know like I am going to do it. I don't know when I'm going to do it, but do it anyway. There is loneliness in doing things new. Kind of harkens back to what he had said earlier. He's like, you become more intelligent and wanting to do new things. Many won't understand your stirrings, but don't give up. And what he was meaning by that was, you might be so, like, like I said, I've always wanted to, and I've said this to my mom since I was a little kid, and when my dad was alive, I said it to him too, and I've said it numerous times to Amanda, where I'm like, I want to be in a tour. I want to go, I want to go and speak in clubs and churches and, and whatever it's about, about faith, about ministry, about loving one another, doing all these things. And there's so many times in my head where I'm like, gosh, you know, who wants to listen to me? Who wants to listen to Brian? I'm not a famous person. I don't have a famous last name. I haven't had all these books or whatever that I've written. Who in the hell wants to listen to what I have to say? Maybe Rob thought that at one time. Maybe a particular musician said that at one time. Maybe a certain TikTok person had said that, and now they have millions of followers. I don't know. My whole point is saying you might have a passion, you might have a stirring, you might have something that you want to accomplish and do, but you're super, you're super uh, afraid of it because you're like, well, I'm passionate about doing this. What if my wife's not passionate about it? Well, you know what? Your wife doesn't have to be passionate about it because it's yours. It's yours. I'm passionate. I'm passionate. I always tell my wife, I always tell Amanda, I'm passionate because you're passionate, but I don't understand it. But just because I don't understand maybe what you want to do does not mean that I don't support you. It, because that's her passion. 
That's her, her creative outlet. Just like she might look at me and be like, I don't want to speak in front of thousands of people, if not millions of people, but I support you. And she's not saying that she doesn't understand me in a way she is, but she's not saying don't do it. She's just saying, I'm not passionate about that like you are, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to support you. But Rob went further and said, you're going to have people come against you and say, oh, well, you know what? You're just not going to do that. This is just not going to happen. He's like, make peace with what they're saying, but also say, I don't care. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it happen. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but I'm going to do it. And he's like, the intelligent part is he was like, if I know that it, what I want to do, then I'm going to align myself and network with people that I can do that. I'm going to hone my skills in preaching and teaching and orating, talking in front of people. I've said to Amanda numerous times, I said, when I was a little kid, I was so nervous. I, you know, And my mom might be like, well, that's a lie, Brian, because I was this extroverted little kid. But when I was, I would be loud and boisterous with friends and family. But to the larger group of people, I would be like, I would get really nervous and be like, hi. But now look what I do. I talk all the time to my friends at work. I'm, I'm sitting up here every Sunday and I'm having people that I don't know look at me and hearing what I'm saying. And I could be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are people going to say? Well, you know what? I, I don't care. I don't care. I have to have that mindset of, I don't care what these people are going to say. Because I know that some people who are listening to this are going to be like, wow, I needed to hear this today. Or wow, I, I need to like jump into this unknowingness i need to live into this stirring and it's fantastic uh one thing he said too which was fantastic was new and curiosity go hand in hand curiosity drives the new being curious is an amazing thing being curious to try new things to try fresh things that's what's there i can on you know number of years ago uh me and a professor friend of mine from Bethel and from North Central, um, I went up to him. I had this murmur, like this stirring in my heart. And I was like, I want to write something and I want to write something with you. I want to write an article. I want to write a journal article. I said, it's something I've always wanted to do. And he's like, okay, let's do it. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I want to write something with you. But guess what, guys? That from, from hearing that in my head, was about a year until I approached my my professor friend. And it took us about another six months to a year to finish it, partly because my daughter was born and I had to put all that stuff on the back burner because obviously being a parent's more important. And then me and him wrote it, we edited it, and it took about another six months to a year before another organization or this journal, we had to just send it out to all these places. Rejection, 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 rejection. And finally, Luther Seminary, which is a Lutheran seminary up here in the Twin Cities, said, yes, we want this in one of our journal our, our journals. So I'm a published author. Not a lot of people have read it, but it was my point is that curiosity drove me. I approached a person that I knew potentially might align with me. And I have I have my copy in my office at home where I look through it every time when I feel down when I feel lonely, I'm like, Hey, look what I did. The curiosity drives the new and only, only you yourself knows what that is. One thing that I thought was fantastic. Um, and I'll try to wrap this up. 
getting a little scriptural and spiritual now. And this was what Rob said. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. So buckle up. The Bible starts in Genesis with a new creation. It's the first part of all Genesis. In the beginning, God created this, da, 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 and he made things new. The Bible ends in Revelation with Jesus creating all things new. The scripture is about making things new. That's fascinating to me. I've known that. I've been in the church my whole life. I've done ministry my whole life. And when he said that, it was just like I got goosebumps. Because I was like, duh. I mean, like it makes so much sense. We get caught up in our dogmas and our theology and what I can do with this, this, or this. But he was like, Genesis starts, the beginning of our holy scriptures start with God making something new. And Revelation ends when we look at him, he's like, God's going to do this and God's going to destroy this. But Jesus himself says, I come to make all things new. That's fascinating. And one thing that he said too, and this goes, this kind of smacks in the face of some of Christianity. But so how often of us who have been raised in the church or who have went to church, and I hope this hits home with everyone because it did with me, is how when, when someone's like, oh, do you go to church? Somebody might be like, oh, I go to Revolution and Brian's my pastor. Oh, is he ordained? No, but he has training. Uh, well, mm, whatever. Oh, did you go to confession and talk with this priest? Or my wife and I are going through a divorce and I need to talk to uh, uh, a pastor. Or, you know, we have all these things like, I have to go to a church, I have to do this, and there's this right formula and this right way to do it. And Rob's like, look at what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist was a follower of Yahweh, follower of Jesus, even though he didn't know who Jesus was. Kind of cool that it was his cousin. His point was, here was the temple. Here was the synagogue. All the religious things happened. People went there to offer sacrifices, to, to pray to Yahweh, to do all those things. And so that that's how we do a lot of things, right? We go to church because we're like, I got to go pray to God there. I have to sing worship songs to God there. I have to talk to the pastor for whatever issue I'm going through. But he's like, what John the Baptist did, he did that in the woods. He did that out in the desert. He did that out in the middle of nowhere. And he was like, in a way, he was, that was something new. He just felt a stirring. He felt this passion to do what he wanted to do. He didn't, he didn't go to the religious elites and say, hey, can I be out here, do this thing over here? Can I do this fringe kind of Christianity that I'm going to do? No. He had this stirring. And he's like, I know this is what God wants me to do. And look at this following that I had. Like, and he ended up getting a following. And isn't it funny that Jesus, and with his whole ministry, people say that Jesus' ministry probably started when he got baptized by John the Baptist. Jesus could have went into the town or to the village. He could have went to the synagogue or the temple and did this whole dogmatic thing. Got, and I look at myself like almost being ordained. Like I could have done all the, the policies, the procedures. I could have done everything the right way. And I could have had all these rounds of applause from people being like, oh, you did all the hard work. You did all this. And Rob's point was saying, 
Jesus, Jesus' whole ministry, his whole everything was new and fresh. And that's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so transcendent. Cause Jesus did not go to what was the accustomed thing to do. He didn't follow the policies. He didn't follow the procedures. He didn't follow the dogmatic ways that they did that even back then. Why do we have to do it now? Because if you have this stirring, and he's like, you're not just going to go willy-nilly, and people might be like, oh, well, Brian, you're just up here doing your own thing with revolution. Yeah, I am. But however, I have a body of individuals here who keep me accountable. I have a, a, a transition team. Probably now I would say it's a board. I have people who watch every week who are on this board who keep me accountable. So I'm not doing it on my own. Yes, I'm speaking up here every week on my own. But I'm having other people come up to me when we're not filming and saying, hey, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. And I know that's the same thing that John the Baptist did. I'm sure he had other people saying, yeah, this is great that you're doing this. So my point is, none of us are lone rangers when we do this. We always have this body. But what I thought was fantastic, what Rob was saying is, when we as humans, especially in the church or people who call themselves Christian, when we do new things... It's always going to buck up against the system. It's always going to buck up against things of how we've done things. And, and one thing he said that I didn't make light of, but I will. He never said church, but I knew exactly what he was talking about. He's like, the reason churches and people who are, are not, not churches, but he's like, the reason institutions don't try things that are new is because new doesn't bring money in. New doesn't bring donations in. New doesn't bring, new doesn't, uh, ripple the waves. And he's like, that's why people don't try things new. Cause people might lose their jobs. People might have people in their congregations leave. People might have a church split. They, whatever. And that's why people, that's why churches, that's why denominations never change their theology, most likely, why they never change how they ordain people, how they put people in leadership, because they're not willing to try things that are new because they want their money, they want the safety, they don't want to rock the boat. But when you look at Jesus and the story of Jesus and the, and the disciples and like John the Baptist, that's all that they did was trying things new. They had this stirring. John the Baptist had this stirring inside of him to change things, to make things new. And I find that that's really incredible. And I could go on and on, but the last thing he said, and I'll leave you with this, try things. Try new things. Some work, some won't, but follow your stirrings. There, it, no one knows why. You can say God put them there. Maybe, maybe you just wake up and you're like, I've had this stirring in my, in my heart and in my mind for like 20 years. Maybe that needs to be in there another 20 years. Who knows? But maybe you need to get it out. And I always tell people all the time, you look at, look at, um, entrepreneurs. There's, uh, any entrepreneur would tell you the first thing they probably did didn't go so well. But after, trial and doing new things things happen you look at uh, edison who created the light bulb I, I think inventors are amazing people edison had like 
thousands of patents on things. He created a ton of things. He also didn't create a ton of things. He created a lot of things that didn't work. But what is he known for? The light bulb. Why? Because it was so revolutionary. That wasn't his first thing he was known for. My point being, people who invent things, they're super creative. I've written a lot of things in my life being in school. I think a lot of it's great. I think some, a lot of it's garbage. And who knows? I might write a book and might be a bestseller. I might write a book and 10 people read it. But my whole point is there's that stirring inside of you and only you can get out, get it out of you. So I hope of how influenced I was by Rob's talk on newness and creativity that, uh, you can be too. And that was just the tip of the iceberg of what he said. I highly, highly recommend you take some of his classes online that he has. It can be a little pricey, but it's really, uh, it's really beneficial because it's changed my whole outlook on things even currently and lets me know what I'm doing was I'm listening to my stirrings and I'm listening to the things that I needed to, to hear. So I'm going to wrap up. Anybody have any questions out here? They don't want to say on mic. Um, probably it sounds like we don't. Um, I saw some comments on there of people leaving some comments. Um, people saying that they really needed to hear this. So it really touches me that you guys liked it. What you hear. Um, Amanda put some like Rob's, um, Rob's uh, web address on there. So look at that stuff. Um, check out the, the, organization called church anew um just type that in google it um they're a really fascinating organization with their, how they're helping pastors and lay people alike so go find rob bell stuff and read it so i think we're going to end there till next time everyone have a safe and happy day and until next time bye